You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Data Unlocked podcast. In this podcast, we explore the ways in which data drives creativity and innovation for marketers, and we explore that with the best and brightest marketers in the industry. My name is Jason Davis, founder and CEO of Simon Data, a growth platform driving smarter marketing for brands like ASOS, TripAdvisor, Equinox, and BarkBox. I'm thrilled today to have Brad Jakeman here today. Brad was previously president at PepsiCo uh, and is currently co-founder at Rethink Foods and senior advisor at Boston Consulting Group. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jason. It's great to be here. Fantastic. And maybe just for the listeners today, Brad, if you can maybe just give a, a brief overview of your background and yourself. Sure. I'm currently a senior advisor at the Boston Consulting Group within the marketing, sales, and pricing practice. I'm also the co-founder of Rethink Food, which is a food technology venture fund. And before that, most of my career was spent in marketing and mainly in roles that required marketing transformation of some sort, either because the company was being disrupted from outside or there was an opportunity to build new capabilities. So as you mentioned, my most recent role was as president of PepsiCo's Global Beverage Group. Before that, I was the chief marketing officer at Activision Blizzard. Before that, ran marketing at Macy's. And before that, was at Citigroup. Great. Um, Well, today, we'd love to sort of dive into your experiences in building great brands and driving great marketing outcomes and doing so in a way that really speaks to the customer. And obviously, as a data geek myself, I always kick off a question around when you look at the opportunity that data can provide and playing a bigger role in, in specific problems, you know, where does your head go? When you look at the market today uh, and your experience, where are people just getting stuck where they should be applying data, but they're not? So I think there's a huge opportunity in better understanding consumer intentionality. And here's what I mean by that. And as I was thinking about this podcast, I was kind of reflecting I try and think through these issues sometimes as a marketing person and a business leader, but also as a consumer. So I was thinking about some recent experiences I've had as a consumer and how the data that I shared either knowingly or unwittingly was used by a marketer to try and drive an action from me. And this is where I got to consumer intentionality, because I think that as an industry, the thing that we are talking about so much now is personalization and how marketing and the richness of data and first party data and and AI and all of the things that we have at our disposal now gives us such a better understanding of the consumer such that we can target her with messages that are less broad, more targeted. But I think we have a long, long, long way to go in understanding consumer intentionality. And I think that the data we use to do that is very, very superficial. And we draw direct lines between a behavior and an outcome that may not necessarily be the case. And I'll give you, as I promised, my own personal experience. So in the middle of COVID, when we're all locked in our houses, 
a really close friend of mine's lease of her car expired and she asked me to help her choose a car. So we got on a conference call together and we were simultaneously going through various car websites um, and I was pointing out features and we were talking about the cars and so on and so forth. From that moment forward, every single car company on whose website I visited started trying to sell me a car. Why? Because the only intention that they thought I could possibly have for visiting their website was that I was interested in buying a car. They didn't know that I was helping a friend buy a car, but they could have. There was other data out there that would have suggested that he's probably not in the market for this particular car because his history of buying cars have been very different types of cars than this. By the way, he just seemed to have bought two cars. So hard to imagine that he's buying a third Could there be another reason and what other data could we connect with that behavior that might give us a reason? And had they have found, had one of these companies found the right reason, that would have been an incredible marketing message that they could have reached out to me as an influencer of my friend to have actually closed the deal. But this is an example where the brand knew enough about me to be creepy and not helpful. And so it was creepy that they, suddenly I'm getting all of these sales messages several weeks later, and I couldn't figure out why all these car companies were coming after me. And then I realized that it was behavior that I had exhibited online, that they had included some intentionality around that had absolutely nothing to do whatsoever with what I was actually doing. A hundred percent. So Brad, I think the example you just gave was really telling, you know, as a consumer, I know what my intentions are, but as a brand, the only evidence of my intentions are my actions, you know, and the data collected from my actions. And while the example you gave resulted in an experience that you felt was a bit creepy, from a data perspective, and, you know, as a data geek, from my perspective, really sussing that apart can be difficult at times. But when you look at the broader industry, when you look at large enterprises, perhaps through your, you know, your hat as a consultant at DCG, where are brands today? Where are enterprises today? And what sort of advice do you give businesses to better leverage their customer data to really drive great customer experiences and marketing outcomes? Well, firstly, I think obviously the most obvious answer to this is do what you can to gather first-party data of your own. And that's easier in some businesses than it is in others, obviously. DTC businesses are obviously a lot easier than consumer packaged goods businesses that are disintermediated from their consumer by retailers. So the first thing I do is, first thing we talk about is how do you build an infrastructure and a strategy to gather first-party data around your consumer? The second thing is, how do you really look at it through the consumer's perspective versus your own business objectives? Obviously, your business objectives are drivers of so much of your behavior, It's ironic to me that personalization has such positive connotations, right? So if if somebody says to you, I'm going to do something that's going to be highly personalized, that's a very positive kind of thing. However, in many, many instances, I don't know whether I could say the majority, but in many, many instances, personalization in marketing, if not done correctly, is not adding to my relationship with the brand. In fact, it is being creepy. As I said earlier, it's not actually 
causing me to believe that the brand knows me better, understands me better, therefore could serve me better, could give me better products, give me better brands, values my perspective, such that they're customizing what they deliver. In many times, I feel like I'm being leveraged and exploited. I'm feeling that there is, as a consumer now, and as a marketer, I think we just have to better understand what is going to be additive to the consumer experience because when you reach out to someone, either broadly through broad-scale media, but also more importantly, discreetly through either serving me messaging as I'm browsing online or emailing me or something that's a little more personal, then you're interrupting whatever I'm doing. And so that message is interruptive. I haven't asked for it in most instances, and you have served it to me. You should be pretty sure that I'm going to like that experience. Because if I don't like that experience, and this is what drives me crazy when people talk about kind of response rates and all of those sorts of things. And I grew up in the old school of direct mail. So I actually, this stuff drove me crazy back then. It drives me even crazier now when we talk about percentage of click-throughs and all of that sort of stuff. And people go, wow, 10% of people took action. If 10% of people took action, you would be doing naked cartwheels down the corridor as a marketer. But what we don't think about is the 90% of people who don't take action. And our assumption is that they had a neutral reaction to our messaging and therefore they didn't respond to it. But I think in many instances, a big chunk of that 90% is having a very negative reaction. You've interrupted something that they were doing. You have given them messaging that they found unwanted and you've been a nuisance to them. And we have to, as marketers, kind of get out of this headspace that what we do is necessary pollution, or it's the price you have to pay for free content. And until we start viewing marketing, and this isn't just digitally delivered, personalized marketing, this is everything from television marketing on, on up, unless we value, unless we think about our marketing as actually adding value to consumers in one way, shape or form, and that doesn't necessarily mean delivering them a product or service they want right now, it could be entertaining them for a moment, it could enable them to do something Unless we get out of that headspace, I think the more data we get around consumers, potentially the more we can annoy the hell out of them. And I think that's what we have to be very careful about as marketers. How are leading brands using data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market? Find out on Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. Yeah, it's very easy to, again, to the point of what the brand sees, what the enterprise sees is not what the customer necessarily is looking for and tends. But ultimately, data needs to drive both sides of the process for the brand. The last 10 minutes, you sort of got a bit of a diatribe around how data when used effectively can really entice behavior, but when not used thoughtfully, it can be used as a turnoff and as a nuisance. But when you look at success on the backside of this, are there times do you feel when brands use personalization to drive revenue and it's still a bit of a nuisance? 
And what would be sort of your guidance and recommendation around how to think about quantifying or measuring success on how data can be used effectively in a personalized context? You know, I think that we tend to think about how data is used in a personalized context in terms of solely and exclusively what is the sales outcome, to be blunt. But at the end of the day, when a brand makes contact with you, whether it be by interrupting a television program you're watching with a 30-second ad or serving you a message as you are looking at things online or emailing you or phoning you or texting you or whatever. Whenever a brand makes contact with you, that is just like anybody else that makes a contact with you, a human being, a friend that makes a contact with you or a complete stranger. When you meet a complete stranger or when you meet a friend, your definition of that encounter is not necessarily what did they give me or am I richer as a consequence of that? It's like, well, did they add value in some way? Did they make me smile? I may not have bought anything from them, but did they make me smile? Did they entertain me? Did they make me feel closer to them as a brand? I'm not obviously talking about brands, but do do I feel closer to the brand as a consequence of that interaction, even though that didn't result in me buying anything from them on this particular encounter, but it could be when they reach out to me next time or the time after that or the time after that or the time after that, then I will probably be predisposed to action. I think we need to get better metrics around the impact that our messaging is having, even on those people who might not immediately click the buy button. Because ultimately, and this is why, as we were talking a while ago, Jason, I don't like the term performance marketing. I think that for a couple of reasons. One, it it seems to relieve you of the opportunity for that marketing to also be branded in some way, meaning it has a brand objective to it and kind of making me feel better about the brand, not just buying something. And two, it makes brand advertising feel like it doesn't drive performance. And that's just crazy. And so I wish that we would just get a better set of metrics on how our marketing, whether it's performance marketing, brand marketing, whatever label you put on it, is having in terms of deepening my relationship with my consumers and potential consumers. We certainly see this pervasively across the market. And from a platform perspective, as a CDP, we see effectively two challenges that marketers and marketing teams face. Uh, you know, the first is strategic. You know, it's very easy to know how a dollar sale translates into a dollar of revenue, but it's very hard to understand the customer journey, uh, the customer life cycle, you know, and how interactions both before leading up to and after a conversion affect your lifetime value, your brand perception, your willingness to purchase again, and your willingness to be a lifelong customer. That's the first problem. The second problem is for those that have a POV around what we'll call micro-convergence or or customer milestones or deeper specificity across the customer lifecycle, it's still really hard to measure. Everyone has a website with a thank you page after you buy and a web pixel that fires off and says, Brad just spent $17.48 on a widget. And as a result, due to both strategic limitations and technical limitations, so much of marketing today is myopic to the point that you're describing. You know, it's easy to measure, it's accessible. This is what we know how to do. 
So therefore, this is what we're going to do. This is what our systems can accommodate. And this, by the way, is also how our entire OKR process and goal setting process and earnings report structure is affected. And therefore, we're just sort of in this sort of perpetual cycle where it's really hard to take a step back and ask, you know, is there a better way? And so maybe when you look at some of the trends and if you were to maybe catalog a couple of things as we sort of you know, wrap up for today, Brad, you really think need to happen for the market and for large enterprises and brands to sort of transform themselves. What does that look like? And what are, what's maybe sort of one thing that folks should be doing that they're not? I think stop segregating marketing into these narrow buckets that are based on your preferred outcomes versus consumers' preferred outcomes. And as I said, this notion of brand marketing and performance marketing is stupid. There's marketing. And when we start separating those two things, as I said earlier, we start communicating with consumers in a way that our motives are so so obviously transparent and it irritates them. Brand marketing should drive performance and performance marketing should come through the brand's voice. When I get a piece of brand messaging, brand marketing, it should drive me to action, maybe not in that particular second, maybe not in that particular day, but it should predispose me to take positive action and behavior toward that brand. When I receive a piece of quote unquote performance marketing, it should cause me whether I decide to click the buy button or not, it should cause me to feel better about the brand. It should deepen my relationship with the brand. It should elevate my esteem for the brand. It should cause me to have greater love for the brand, even if I don't exhibit the behavior that was intended. And when we do that as marketers, I think we will develop much deeper, more meaningful, more profitable, more enduring uh, consumer relationships. And when that happens, I think that the business will be far more advantaged than a series of tactical transactions driven by email shots and pop-ups and all of that sort of thing. I think all of those things are important. I don't mean to minimize them, but I think we're losing sight of what we're in the business of doing, and that is causing consumers to feel better about our brand such that they want to buy things from us or buy more things from us or do more things with us or recommend us to more people. And that's, at the end of the day, what marketing is all about. Yeah, 100%. And wrapping up here, thank you, Brad, for, for coming on the podcast today and sharing your wisdom with us. You know, when I sort of reflect on the conversation, I mean, these concepts are as, as old as commerce itself. I give you $10, uh, you give me a pair of shoes. Um, as a consumer, I don't care about the $10 that I lost. I care much more about the shoes that I just bought. You know, And how do you think about speaking the language that I care about and not the language that you care about? And that's the definition of customer centricity. And of course, in a digital age, it brings a completely different set of dimension and considerations with, with data. And while digital and e-commerce is incredibly transformative, you know, it can also disintermediate if not done properly. You know, I think your anecdotes and wisdom and experiences speak to that very directly and very much enjoyed hearing about that. So thank you, Brad. And of course, thank you, everyone else listening to the episode of the Data Unlocked podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, please visit us on the web at simondata.com or email us at hello at simondata.com. 
You've been listening to The Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.